Hello, may I welcome you to episode 65 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my guest began within the industry nearly 40 years ago, in 1984, when he and his parents decided to buy a small removal company and rebrand it. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his industry predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story, regarding a survey that ended up in the master bedroom, only to discover another room. My guest this episode is Phil Hambleton, who after an illustrious career has just retired from the moving industry. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Phil. Welcome to Moving Matters. How are you today? Fine, thank you, Colin. Long time no see. Yeah, we were just thinking about 19, 20 years, I think, since we spoke or we saw each other. So, yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable, really. Wow, that is a very, very long time. You were one of my first customers as such all those years ago. Wow. Yeah, it was a it, yeah, it was it was a good thing to do. It was a good thing for my small business to take on and it worked for me. So yeah, it was right. Absolutely brilliant. So, can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Right. So um Phil Hambleton started in the industry in nineteen eighty four when myself and my parents bought a small and I mean small removal company up in the valley up uh, north of Manchester company had one transit Luton van and a 500 square foot warehouse and probably where a lot of removal companies started from actually but that's where we started so that was 1984 and I've been in the industry ever since built up the business by moving warehouses built up the storage and eventually my parents decided that they wanted to retire which they did in 2002 but obviously then there's one person running the business instead of three <laughs> people running the business. And it became a lot of work. My wife at the time wasn't interested. I had no other siblings that wanted to take the business on. So I managed to sell to a local removal company who wanted to expand. And that's where we got to. So, Do you remember the name of the company you did buy all those years yeah, ago? Yeah, it was a company called Northwest Removals. He's still going. I'm not sure if the guy I sold to, Steve Entwistle, is still in the business, but he's still going. The company's still going. They're still trading in the valley in the same area. Wow. They still kept the Hambleton's name on as well, so they still have trucks in our name. Yeah. He runs two businesses. So, yeah, they're still going. They're doing a good job as well because I was somebody I know wanted to move before Christmas, spoke to me and said, can we do it? And it was like, I'm sorry, but we are much too busy to be able to do this before Christmas. We'll not be able to fit you in. It was lastminute.com as usual. But they managed to fit him in and did a really good job for them. So, yeah, they're still going. Still there. It's really good. Excellent. So you started in the industry with your parents buying a company. Yep, we did. What made them buy a removal company? Though, right. Phil? So my dad took early retirement at 50 from ICI. He was the personnel manager for three textile factories around Manchester area. But... They were shutting the three factories as that was happening at the time. ICI were going out of that. And his next move after moving 
three times already would have been Gloucester and he didn't want to do that. He'd got 26, 27 years in with them. They were offering him a good pension, a good package. So he said, I'll take that. And out he came. And he wanted to do something else. I was working in the uh, retail industry at the time. I was working for a company called Queensway Furniture as a carpet manager. Right. But a friend of ours who also worked in that same kind of thing, retail, furniture retail, had a small shop in North Manchester. And a guy did his deliveries. And he had this small removal company that did his deliveries on one day. But he had diabetes and was going blind. So he wanted to get out. And the friend of my parents said, look, he's looking to sell. Do you want my dad's like, well, I'll have a chat with him. We had a good chat with him, sorted out what we wanted to do. And eventually we purchased that business off him. So and that's where it started. So my dad started doing removals at 50 on the vans, both of us. Wow. Both of us doing the work. <laughs> Obviously, I had some experience of moving furniture around because I worked in the retail trade, of the yeah. furniture retail trade. I've worked in furniture shops and things like that. So I knew how yeah. to move furniture and what have you. But it was a, yeah sharp introduction to the removal industry so there that's why we started and that's what we did so what size of business did you grow it to before you sold um so we, we moved warehouses twice we first had a warehouse a small warehouse that this guy had rented in bake up that was tiny 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 and stored obviously loose and we quickly realized that in the removal industry storage is the king if you can fill a warehouse you can make money so we moved then up to a place called Helmshore and rented a larger warehouse again was loose storage you know wrapped with the old yeah. blankets and dust sheets and people marked off where the items were and things like that but i'd seen all these bigger companies the one thing that was good about the time was i went and did the british association removers courses so i did yeah certificate of removal estimating the ordinary certificate of removals management and the highest certificate of removals management and it showed me where to go really so I wanted to go containerized. And we then moved to a warehouse in Ramsbottom that was 10,000 square feet, but it meant we could stack containers four high. So we could go four high, three deep one side, and three high, four deep the other side of the warehouse. And that's what we grew it to. So I grew it to eventually we had six trucks and I think we had about 500 containers. Wow. So that was where we got to. Through doing different things, though, we did, <laughs> you make a lot of mistakes, you make do different things and what have you, but we did a lot of distribution as well. We got into the distribution. Hmm. Another friend of my parents had a furniture company that made leather suites, and we did all this distribution all over the country. So I had two vans full-time on that for about four years. Wow. And it was all to shops. It was, wasn't to houses. It was to shops and stores. So that was just, you know, we just did that. We worked out the costs and said, this is what we'll charge. And he was, he was happy with it. So we did that. And you pick up other things from it as well. We picked up a contract for a company called Johnson & Johnson Kitchens in Trafford Park. I had an 18-tonner on that five days a week with two lads delivering kitchens down south. So that's where we built it from. But most removal companies end up going down different avenues as well, like the sofa deliveries and then the, yeah. the distribution and that sort of thing. So they've got many, many strings to their bows as such. You, you have to because you, at the time, the area we were in wasn't big enough to just do removals. We wanted to expand into removals and we did. We, you know, we obviously went to containerized vehicles. We bought the containers, things like that. So that's what you needed to do. But I didn't have five days a week work for six trucks. Yeah. So you needed something else for these trucks that some of them were going to do on different days. Like I said, the, the Johnson & Johnson Kitchens contract was actually started off 
as Monday to Thursday. So it was perfect. They did four days, Monday to Thursday, and then Friday, the busy day, they were back at home to do a removal. (laughs) So that worked like that, and then they wanted it five days a week. So, But that didn't matter because it was obviously guaranteed work. So, yeah, most removal companies have to do something like that. Smaller ones, they can't just survive on removals, or they couldn't at the time. There wasn't enough. Not like it has been in the last two or three years when there's been plenty, really. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the BAR, doing the BAR courses. Yep. I take it when your parents bought the removal company, it wasn't a BAR member. So what made you join the BAR then? No, it wasn't a BAR member. It said it was a small, it was a man and van, really. We grew it. We got our operator license. That's the way we wanted to go. So first thing, I didn't do the BAR courses first. Did the CPC, national and international, so we could get an O license. And then we decided that we wanted to be more professional. We wanted to have that. It, we wanted the badge. That was the way to go, definitely. The top one, we wanted them to tell us really what we were doing wrong and what we weren't doing wrong and where to go, which they were very good. You know, somebody came, I, don't, I can't remember who it was who came up to assess us in the area, but we didn't get in first time. Came and assessed us and said, look, you're doing every, most things you're doing right, but there's some things on your paperwork that aren't right. So he said, go away, look at it, sort it out, and then have a look. So yeah, we got in second time, which, you know, it was great. Straight away, me and my dad went to all the BAR area meetings. Yeah. We wanted to meet people who wanted to. And I've still got people now who I speak to from 20 years ago that, like yourself, and the yep. BAR meetings and the BAR courses that I still talk to. You know, you make those contacts, and this industry is just like that. You make those contacts, and it's, they're there for life, near enough. It's one big happy family. It certainly is. So, yeah, it was good. So that's why we did it. We felt that the BAR was the best people to join. Obviously, they are the main one, and that's what we did. So normally, at this point, I ask if you can tell everybody about the company you work for and the services it offers, but you've retired. I've retired. So can you give us your removal history then, Phil, since you sold the company all those years ago? Right, okay. So 2002, my mum and dad retired. I managed to sell in 2004. Guy sold to, I said I would give him six months of handover so that um, he obviously can take see what we do and everything else like that. So I stayed six months. I then got a job working for Pickfords, who at the time had just been taken over by a server. Right. So the guy who interviewed me actually now is the managing director of Britannia Bradshaws, Mike Andrews. Mr. Andrews himself. Yeah. The next BAR president. That's right. So I had 12 months working for Mike Andrews as the area, my area, my area manager, area director, I think he was. Might have been, I might be wrong there, but he was my, <laughs> he was my ultimate boss yeah. working for Pickfords. Um, after working for yourself for 20 years, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, it was not awkward, but very difficult to change around and what have you. And found it a bit hard. Not hard, but found all the paperwork and how they wanted doing up hard. I know, and I started off as the manager of the Preston Depot, and then they changed things around, and now I, ha- I had responsibility for Manchester and Preston, and they changed things around again because this is what server did at the time, and I went back to just running the Preston Depot. I said I wasn't happy about it and what have you, so I put my resume out there, and Anglo-Pacific were looking for a branch manager for their Manchester Depot. Yeah. So I had a couple of interviews and started there 2005. I only did 12 months at Pickford's. It was 
things were changing too quickly there and moving things around. So, so I got this job at Anglo Pacific. And obviously people know in the moving industry, they only do shipping. Yeah. I had very little shipping background. <laughs> But they didn't want a salesperson. They wanted a, somebody to come in to manage the branch to look after the operational side, really, and do that kind of thing and make... They were looking to move warehouses in Manchester, looking to expand a bit more. A lady called Annette Harris had set the Manchester branch up from scratch on her own. She was the branch manager there at the time and had taken it as far as she could on her own. She needed help. So I actually went in as branch manager and she became sales manager because sales was more her side hmm. to grow it again. I was there seven years and we grew it quite a lot actually between us. The shipping side was good and I enjoyed it. Difficult dealing with customers when they're the other side of the world all the time and they're not around yeah. the corner and you can't, you know, you've, you've packed it up, you've sent it and then <sighs> emails all night, near, you know, you're not getting, it's not during the day, you've got stuff going on all the time and it's a it's delay all the time. So that was a bit awkward. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed my seven years there and they they decided that at the time, so that was January 2011. My MD came to see me and said, you know, unfortunately, we're going to go a different direction. We're going to make you redundant. So I was like, okay, what's happening? So he told me, I went through it all and obviously came out and panic. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've got a mortgage. I've got everything. What am I going to do? Yeah. So straight away got on to pretty sure it was Red Recruit who, who I'd spoken to before a few times about things like that. And they said, oh, we think we might have something for you. We've got a, there's, we've just got an advert in for GB Liners who've got a branch manager's job going at their Leeds depot. So I just went to see Rob Barto up at Leeds, I think within a week of having the letter saying you're redundant. And then I had an interview with his financial director, Anna, at Manchester. And I started there on the 1st of February. Wow. So for me, made redundant on the 5th of January. I started a new job on the 1st of February. Straight in, very, very lucky and very thankful that Rob took a, a punt on me, really. He didn't have to. And as he, as he said when I was leaving, he said he always wondered why Steve Perry would get rid of somebody that, he, that was useful. Really? Yeah, but he did. Rob took a punt on me and I was there 12 years. So Brilliant. I ended up, I ran the Leeds depot for a while. And then Rob said to me, he said, look, I want you to do a bit more. Will you take on Leeds and Manchester as the area manager for both branches? And we'll have an operator inside each one. So I did that for a couple of years. And then it was my decision. I wanted to step back a little bit. So 2019, I said to Rob, I said, look, I want to pull back a little bit. I don't want to do like five days a week and all the hours that I'm doing. I used to be up at five in the office for half six, not getting home till seven o'clock. I don't want to do this much longer. It's, I'm getting to the point where I want to start thinking about retirement in a few years. So I changed. I stayed the area manager role. But only three days a week. So I used to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. I wanted to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And Rob said, you're not doing that. You need somebody there Monday and Friday, which is the busy, the busy days. So you, you can do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So that, that's what I did. <laughs> so, yeah, I did that for two years. And then beginning of last year, I said to Rob, I said, right, I want to cut it back again. I want to go to two days a week. And Rob said to me, right, okay, what we'll do is rather than going to two days a week, I want you to be holiday cover for all the branch managers. So he said, I'll pay you for two days a week and I'll pay you on your salary monthly, but you to work, I think it was after holidays and bank holidays, 90 days a year. Oh, wow. I worked 18 weeks. So any branch manager that was off, anybody that yeah. wanted cover, had to be a full week. It couldn't be a couple of days or something like that. 
I used to go and cover the branches. So I covered London, Brighton, Loughborough, Manchester and Leeds, obviously. So, yeah, that's what I've done for the last 12 months. And then I said to him, right, my wife last year had breast cancer, so that wasn't brilliant. Obviously, it was a bad time. She's over it now. Touch wood, everything's fine. She's obviously still had to take the tablets and stuff like that. Yeah. But she had to pack in her work because of that. And I said, look, I'm getting to be 60. I I was 60 in last December. I said, I want to pack in, really. That was this year. I think I told him in December that I wanted to finish April, really. And he said, Luke, I don't need to do that long. He said, finish on the 28th of Feb. So I did. On my last week, I covered uh, Tom Hare in Brighton. Wow. <laughs> and that was my last week there. So Brilliant. Although saying that, Rob said to me, Luke, we'll keep you on the payroll. He said, because I might want you to just come and do a week sometime. If I can't get any cover for a branch manager somewhere, would you mind if I asked you to come and do a week? And I went, I have no problem at all with that. So I may still be doing some things if he wants me to during the summer. That's brilliant. That's a great working relationship. To yeah, have. it is. It's really good. I was really impressed with that, actually. So obviously, he thinks somebody of, of that prestige in the industry thinks I'll be yeah. able to cover it. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah, it was good. Absolutely brilliant. So how are you enjoying retirement? It is great. It really is good. <laughs> I love it. You're not supposed to say that. I know, you're not, I know you're not. But anybody out there that thinks they'd want to do it and is worried about it, do it. Go for it. Definitely. <laughs> Lucky in that we've got a, a group of friends who are all very similar ages. So we're all between 59 and 62. And of this group of seven or eight couples, only three people are still working. Really? We've all taken early time, all about the same time, all said, like, we're having it done. There's been things that have gone on in the past 12 months. You know, we've lost a couple of people of our age. Yeah. It's said to us all, Luke, it's about time. You need to make more, do more than just work. Well, we're not getting any younger, unfortunately. Exactly. So that's what pushed us towards it. I said my wife had breast cancer last year. She lost two of her friends in the last 12 months, 18 months. Mm. Only our age as well. So, yeah, that makes you open your eyes a little bit and think we need to spend more time with our friends and spend more time with ourselves and our families. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So it's lovely. We have two walking clubs. We have a husband's walking club and a wife's walking club. So they, <laughs> and we, we, we try to go off on different days. So we, we're not going on the same day. So we get two days away from each other rather than one. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we do. Um, um, during COVID, my wife decided she wanted a dog as well. So we've got a dog that wants to walk in all the time. So we're out quite a lot in the local area. Brilliant. It's good fun. I, yeah. I've taken to it pretty well. I'm quite enjoying it. Well, long may that continue. Exactly, exactly. That's why we try to do it now. Might get a few good years out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no point working continuously and then not enjoying the benefits of having retirement. Exactly. So that's what we wanted to do. So what challenges have you had to overcome then, Phil? Obviously, you mentioned earlier, going from owner to employed. Any <sighs> yeah. Any other challenges? Yeah. Um, when you start with a new place, obviously, the one big thing I always found is the staff, the operational staff, the office staff, who are you? Where have you come from? Why should we listen to you? Yeah. What do you know that we don't know? The one good thing I've always had in my, on my side in that is that I could do everything they do. Yeah. So I've been on the trucks. I've got my CPC license already. I've got an HGV license. I've done the packing courses. I've done the export courses. I've done all the work. So on the operational side, 
when you talk to the crews and you start explain all this to them, where you've come from, what you've done, straight away they're like, oh, okay, he knows yeah. what he's talking about. We've got to do things right because he knows what he's doing. Office side of the thing is a bit different in that when I had my own business, obviously we had your computer system, Remstar, and that linked into Sage. So we had Sage accounts and Sage yeah. payroll. So I'd learned all that when we had our own business. Then you go to Pickford's and it's a different, it's a different system totally. Yeah. So at, at like, I'm okay with computers, but I wouldn't say I was proper whiz kid. <laughs> so I had to learn, learn all that. And then 12 months later, we go to, I go to Anglo. Would you believe they ran two computer systems, one for the sales side and one for the invoicing side. So I had to learn how to do all yeah. their systems again and everything else like that. And then they changed to Moveware. Yeah. And I went down to London to do a full week's course on Moveware for learning all that. <laughs> and then you, so you're changing all that over and do that again and everything else. And you learn their systems and their shipping systems and how they do things. One thing that I did like, because they only did shipping, is that the crews and on their inventories, they measured everything. Right. So you got an exact volume. It didn't matter on a 24 or a 44, obviously, on a full container. But on, yeah. on groupage, on the inventory, they measured everything. So the warehouse man, when he booked it all in, would put all this into a system and it would come out with a volume. Yeah. And Anglo then charged the customer based on the actual volume, not the estimated volume. Yeah. So they were never wrong. And obviously, I don't think I can remember a groupage container where we didn't fit it all in because we knew the actual volume. Yeah. So you knew that it would that would go in a 20 or that would go in a 40. Definitely, it was always going to fit. So that was one of the good things they did. Tried to get GB to that. Rob wasn't having it. He said, that's, that's, too much, that's too much for the crews to do. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. But it was also a good way of checking the estimator because you knew exactly yeah. what you knew exactly what the volume was. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So then, obviously, I went to GB, and they worked for another different system. So you then were a different computer system. <laughs> and I, I have to say, Rob's system takes a bit of getting used to because it's an old AS400 system. So it looks... A green screen, DOS-based, doesn't half work well. It does everything. And once you get your head around that, it works brilliantly. I, I've had graduate trainees come in and they looked, took one look at it and go, what is that? <laughs> why is the screen green? Yeah, why have you got green writing on it on a black background? And why do I have to use F, why do you have to use F keys and things like that? What's, what's, what's F, where did you, how do I get F23? Or why something? does the mouse not work? Exactly. So why do I have to tab everywhere and use my keyboard more? Oh, dear. However, it just works. It does everything from the first inquiry to the final invoice to the accounts. Everything is there. All the purchase yeah. ledger, all the sales ledger. I mean, I don't think you could ever change it. The database must be huge. All 11 branches of GB run on it. All three branches of Clark and Rose run on it. The self stores all run on it as well. The database is massive, but it works. It does all the invoicing right. As long as you put stuff in right, it's just superb. But yeah, that was a shock. That was one of the difficult things to do everywhere I've gone. Learning new systems, learning new things, how everybody does it. <laughs> the other big one for me going from my own business was the, how can I say it? I did things how I wanted to do things with my own business. All right, you've yeah. got the health and safety, you've got to do, you've got X, Y, Z that you have to do. So Pickford's got me in the, 
mind of saying, right, you've got to do X, Y, Z as well. You've got to do the servicing on this date. You've got to do this on this date. You've got to do this on this date. And it got me into that, which helped when I went to Anglo and also helped a lot more when I went to GB because I didn't have to worry about it as much when I had my own place. Obviously, you've got an operator's license. You've got to do things properly, but it, it didn't need to be as strict. <laughs> at GB, for instance, at Leeds, we were on 10 weekly servicing. Right. I used to do them on nine to give myself a week either side if I couldn't get him in. So, yeah, yeah. and it's what that's what I used to do at Leeds, and that's what Rob said he he liked. So he gives you a chance. You're not then pushing it. If if you can't get a truck in on week ten, you're stuffed because it's on week ten. Whereas if you can't get it in on week nine, you can push it out a week to do something else. But if you've got a full week of work, yeah. again, you can push it to the week after. So it was learning things like that when I've gone to new places to see that. Eh, wait a minute, I can't just do what I want to do. They've got things in place. They've got their own procedures, and you have like, to do yeah. it like this. Yeah. So that was one of the difficult things. But you change, you adapt, and that's what you do as a good operator, which I think I was quite a good operator, a good branch manager. That's what you tended to get on with. I never had any problems. I had <laughs> I had lots and lots of BAR inspections at Leeds. Obviously, I had 12 years, so I, had, I never failed one. And I think, off the top of my head, I don't think I ever had a nonconformity ever good. in 11, yeah. year, 11 or 12 years, which is all right. I got on, got, I got on, I got on well with the inspector, so that was a, that was a good thing. So I made I think sure it's a little bit more than all right. Yeah, made made sure when the inspector turned up, all his paperwork was there and everything was in place, and he was ready for him. And it was all like, there you go, off you yeah. get on with everything you're doing. If you want anything, shout. That's what I did. That's how I worked it, and that's how I tried to be. I looked at it, even though I was working for somebody else. I looked at it as though I was running my own business. Yeah, I would try and make as much money and the best way, and make sure everything ran properly for the people that I work for. That's how I worked it. So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? <sighs> Good question. It's quite simple, actually. I wouldn't have sold. Really? And that sounds silly. The reason being is, mum and dad decided to pack in about 2002. And obviously, pressure got big then. I, myself and my first wife then, I just had twin girls in 2002. I was under pressure at work. I was under pressure at home and it led to us splitting up. Right. I was working 70, 80 hours a week and we got one-year-old twin girls. It was hard work and it led to the marriage breaking up. And then in 2004, I agreed to sell to Northwest Removals. And then after I'd shaken the guy's hand, but before any paperwork had been signed, before anything had ever done, I met my wife who I'm married to now and... If I hadn't shaken the guy's hand and said, I'm going to sell it to you, I'd have backed out because she would have been able to run the office. Right. And then I would have been able to run the operations side and do the estimating. And I'd have kept the business. That's probably the only regret I've got. Nothing else, really. I know everything I've done, I've done for the right reasons. I mean, obviously, I didn't have any choice about leaving Anglo-Pacific. They made me redundant. So, And I was lucky to get the job with GB Liners straight away. So I've been quite, quite lucky in that respect. I was nothing I would change apart from that one thing. If I hadn't shaken the guy's hand and said, yeah, I'll sell it to you, I'd have backed out. But I'm not that kind of person. I, you know, I'd shaken his hand and said, yeah, it's yours. We hadn't done any paperwork yet. We'd agreed the terms, but we hadn't got solicitors yeah. to do everything. So I couldn't. In my head, I'd agreed to sell it to him. So that's what was happening. So that's what I did. But as I said, I would still have it now. 
Oh, they're probably looking to sell now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, probably looking to get out now. So, yeah, that's the only <laughs> thing, really. So what is your high point of being within the industry? couple, actually, things. One thing, as I said before, I did the BAR courses, the Certificate Removals Estimating, the Ordinary Certificate Removals Management, the Highest Certificate Removals Management, which, personally, I think we should still have. I know Rob and GB set up this Rules Masterclass, which is pretty good. Very good. Those three courses, though, set me up to do lots of things and obviously meet lots of different people. And also, one of the highs of those, I was never brilliant at English at school. I was all right. But I won the Gerson Medal for the best essay for the highest certificate in rules management. Oh, wow. I know. Totally surprised me. Don't know where it came from. Ah, cool. Absolutely unbelievable. I was so amazed at that. So that was quite a high point. And then when, also, when Rob asked me to do like take on two branches and do more work, I was gobsmacked. I was doing all right at Leeds. The Leeds Depot was doing fine. But when he asked me to do more, that was a good recognition from somebody like that. I enjoyed that. So what one thing would you change in the moving industry? <sighs> Completion times. <laughs> Definitely. So popular answer. In it just, it's... <sighs> so my dad died in 2008. My mum died during COVID in 2021, right? And we had to sell her... She got dementia. She was 80-odd and what have you. And we had, to, we had to sell her house to pay for the care home. A lot of people do. And it's going through. We've got somebody to buy it. And I get a phone call on a Friday, and the, it's the solicitors. And the solicitors say, all right, yeah, 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 we're going through a completion. He said, we want to complete on Tuesday. This is Friday, and they want to complete on Tuesday the following week. If they wanted to complete an exchange in the day, and I, was, I was like, wait a minute, do you know what I do as a job? And this is, 2000, <laughs> this is 2021 <laughs> when the industry had gone absolutely bonkers. There was, absolutely. It was going ridiculous about a moving. And they're like, no, we don't know what you do as a job. I said, look, I run two branches of a national removal company. I can't fit a removal into our diary now at the moment. And it was May, I think. Right. Can't fit a removal in our diary for like six weeks. I've got both branches are fully booked out. Well, well, no, that's what we want to do on a complete. I said, aren't you lucky that we've already cleared the house and it's empty? So mm. that's the one thing I would change. There needs to be time between exchange and completion so that people can get their removals in place. The removal companies have got time to book it in their diary. This week or two weeks notice from exchange to completion is just too quick. You can't do it because people can't book a removal company until they know the completion date. They can't book a removal company until they've exchanged because they're just taking a risk and paying the money over. And I, I know they are, most companies' terms are payment on booking. Yeah. GB's was payment on booking up front. So you booked and you paid. And people didn't want to pay, obviously, when they hadn't got a confirmed completion date. And I understand that, obviously. So somebody needs to get the head round how they do it differently. It needs to be exchange week one, completion week five or six, not week two. Hmm. That's the one thing that was a bane in my life all the time, especially during the summer when it was busy. You haven't got time to do anything about it. It's, it's bad. It needs something doing about that. Which, unfortunately, we can't see change anytime soon. As I said, I've been in the industry, what, nearly 40 years, and it's never been any different. No. It used to get a little bit longer time, but you don't anymore. So, I don't know. They're not going to change it. It's not going to happen. No. And that's the, main, that's the main one. I mean, the big one that's happened in the last few years, obviously, is Brexit. 
and the European moving. GB were big on European moving. And when Brexit came around, we were bigger because we knew what we were doing. And you couldn't just go. We had all the yeah. set, we had everything set up in place for all the paperwork, all the agents in Europe, and we were ready to do it. So the European moving expanded exponentially on GB side because we were set up to do it. I mean, mm. I know people won't say Brexit was right. We should have come out. <laughs> I voted to stay only on a personal basis because I knew what was coming if we came out. I didn't want to spend hours setting up a European trip when it used to take me like. 30 minutes yeah, when we yeah. could just go. We have got to spend days and weeks collecting paperwork from the customer, making sure the agents have got it at the places where they've got to clear customs. And yeah, it's a lot of work for some operators who do European work. Difficult as well. So what advice would you give yourself just starting out in the industry again? Oh, speak to people, get experience, speak to people who know what they're doing. When we first bought the business, there was a company over in Blackburn, Baxter's of Blackburn, which is now owned by Andrew Porters. And Lol Baxter, the owner, he had a big warehouse and we got in touch with him and said, look, can we use your warehouse if we have an overflow? And he was like, yeah, of course you can. We'll come and have a chat. We went to see him. He was a BAR member. And picking on his experience and picking his brains for things helped a lot. Go and seek out experienced people and pick the brains find out what they've done what mistakes they've made what things have gone right for them do that if you can't get in the bar straight away join somewhere that's like that that'll give you the expertise because it's not that easy it's not an easy industry it's hard work office side's hard work obviously operative staff have got it's a hard physical manual labor job and the better you can give them the training and the expertise they need then the better you're going to be off. And a lot of people in this industry are open to be questioned. Oh, yes. will give their advice. They are. It's, that's one thing about it. They will happily talk to you about it and tell you all their experience. It's not a closed shop. Even if you're new, if you're starting up and what have you, they will come and talk to you or they will yeah. let, let you go and talk to them. If you want to go to a meeting somewhere or you want to get involved in something, they will happily talk to you and give you their advice, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I normally ask where you see yourself in five years, but at some point, I suppose you're going to be on a, on a beach with a pina colada in hand and, and relaxing, <laughs> thinking, oh, yeah, well, look at that removal industry going flat out. Well, well five years. <laughs> five, uh, actually, I see myself on a beach in about six weeks' time, actually. We're going good man, to, good yeah, man. We're, that's one thing we've, we're doing, fortunately or unfortunately. My wife hates going away for two weeks at a time. She'll do a week, but she loves <laughs> and won't, doesn't want to do two weeks. So we tend to do four or five days here, yeah, there, yeah. everywhere. And the good thing now about being retired is it doesn't have to be Friday to Monday. It can be Monday, no, to, no. Monday to Thursday, Tuesday to Saturday. It can be any time we want. Whoever's got the best flights and the cheapest flights, whoever's got the best hotels and the cheapest <laughs> hotels. So, yeah, that's what, we, that's what we plan five years' time. I don't plan to go back and do any work. Definitely not. unless somebody offers me something ridiculous so where do you see the industry then phil in five years i don't know to tell you the truth i, th I think you see much of a change at i all? don't see much of a change I, I said i've been lucky in that i think my last job with gb liners was probably with the premier moving company in the country i know some people might argue with me and might not agree 
you've got to remember that GB only do household removals. They don't do very much office work. They don't do any commercial work, really. They do household, they do shipping, and they do European. And that's what they do. And they do it to a hell of a high standard. They've got staff who, operative staff who've been there for years. Just going on my Leeds depot, I'd got two drivers with over 26 years experience, Porter with over 25 years. The rest of the crew have all been there six, seven, eight years. <sighs> Rob does things properly. He wants his piece of flesh, but everything's done right. He gives you the tools to do the job properly. He does the training to do the job properly. And he gives you the rewards if you want them. So yeah. I think they are probably the premier removal company in the country on domestic moving. So obviously they have a lot of corporate accounts as well. So which they keep and they keep for a reason because it's done right. So yeah, I, I can't see it changing very much. Some of the Europeans are changing a little bit in how they work on inventories and things like that. A lot of computer work coming in. So the crews have got printers in the cabs and they don't have to write an inventory out anymore. That's the way things are going to go, definitely. Because they want that. They want to be able to just push a button an inventory comes out and it sends it back to the office and the office have got it straight away. So that's the way he's going to go. Technology is going to come in somewhere yeah. or other. I can't see technology coming in the vehicles. How do you send an electric truck to Switzerland? It's not going to happen. It might take a few days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it might be for people who do your local trucks might go into electric or hybrid, but I can't see a road train loading up and going down to Malaga or somewhere like that. It's not going to work. You're going to be away for three, four weeks at a time and you can't do it. So I can't see that coming into the industry apart from more localised things. It's going to be technology that's going to come in though. As I said, handheld computers for the crews so they've yeah. got everything. Things like that is going to definitely change. Other than that, I don't see what else can change. It is what it is it's about moving furniture from a to b and not breaking anything yeah and that's just not going to change you, you, you can't change it you can change the processes around it but the Correct. physical moving of furniture yeah. is not going to change no it's been muted before about long distance moving about using 20 foot containers and using trains yeah so you pack it and load it locally you put it in a 20 foot or a 40 foot container that then gets taken away to a, a rail yard and is then railroaded to wherever paris or something and then a local mover then moves it there. Some customers may like that. A lot of customers won't because they want the same crew or driver at least continually through. And that's a massive change in the infrastructure as well as the vehicles and things. So that would be awkward. So I can't see that happening apart from some corporate work. No, it's, as I said, it, it is what it is. You are in the industry of moving a product from A to B for mostly the public and not breaking anything for them. So getting it there in one piece, that's one of the big things. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, yeah, it is. And as I said, I'm going to keep coming back to them. That's where I've been the last 12 years, but we didn't break much at GB, to tell you the truth. They were very, very good at doing what we did. Is that then down to the training that was provided? <sighs> it is down to the training. It's down yeah. to the training. It's down to the... It's the making... investment that Rob is making into his crew, isn't it, at the end of yeah. the day? It's so that... it's everything. It's down to the training. It's down to making sure they've got all the right packing materials. It's down to making sure they've got all the right kit on the vans, not scrimping and scraping. The crews are given everything they need to make sure they complete that job perfectly. Yeah. 
and there's no there's no saying oh no you can't have that you can't take that you can't no if you want it you've got it there you go you know they've got <laughs> Rob spent an awful lot of money in the last couple of years on new trucks obviously we've got all these clean air zones coming in and what have you yeah yeah and I think this year he will have every truck up to Euro six wow yeah I mean he spent a, a lot of money all right that's what you've got to do. And bringing all these clean air zones in, you don't want to pay the levies and things like that. So make sure it's done right. Yeah. So that's yeah. what he's done. It's been interesting, to say the least, when all this new kit, especially when the last year, when not last year, year before, when some of the um, truck manufacturers closed the books for 12 months and you couldn't get chassis. The foresight, Rob was already in. He'd already got them ordered. He'd already got them there on, on the books, ready to go. So I said, that's what you've got to do. It's an industry where you are moving people's furniture from A to B and the belongings from A to B. And if you give the crews the right equipment, the right training, it can be done properly. Absolutely. It's been proved. Well, now that you are retired, you are switched off from the industry. So what else do you do apart from walking? I always have been massive into sports. So everything and literally everything. So in the past... Well, I was at Twickenham for the England-Scotland game, unfortunately. <laughs> and I took three Scots with me as well, so which was great fun. Not That would have been a bad journey home. Actually, we had a fantastic weekend the, because the, <laughs> the, the three lads had never been to Twickenham before, so we had an absolutely unbelievable weekend. So I'm, I'm massive into my rugby. I packed in golf five years ago, but I'm looking at starting that again during the summer. Not on a basis that I used to. I mean, I used to, I used to be a member of a club. I was captain twice. I used to play three, four, five times a week and things like that. So I wouldn't be doing that. But yeah, I'll get my clubs out and I might do some more during the summer when the, when the weather. I'll be a fair weather golfer, definitely. <laughs> It'll be one of them. We'll book a tea time and if it's raining, we're not going. No, exactly. It'll definitely be a fair weather golfer. So we'll do that. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what we do. I mean, we're lucky. I live in a I live in a small, I would say, village north of Manchester called Ramsbottom. And it's got this reputation of for restaurants, independent, small restaurants. Right. So we tend to um, go out and enjoy it quite a lot. Um, why not? Again, exactly, why not? Exactly. So I say this to a lot of people. It is a small village, right? There are ridiculous amounts of restaurants and Different types. Yeah. There's everything here. There's a, a fantastic tapas bar. There's a Korean restaurant. There's a sushi restaurant. There's two Italians, two Indians, Chinese, Thai, apart from the English ones as well. So you could go in, out and eat every week and eat something different. So, yeah, we tend to wander around the town with the dogs allowed into some of them. is not allowed into others. And that's what we do. I joined a gym. Don't go a lot. I go enough, but I don't go a lot. <laughs> Can't stand the bloody gym. I know. It's like, it's one of them. I joined it, not last year, year before when I was working still. And the reason I joined this gym is it's open 24-7. I thought, right, if I wake up early in the morning, I can go. I never went early. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't happen. So I used to go late at night, things like that. But yeah. So now I, I go a couple of times a week at the very most. And just to keep healthy, really. <laughs> I said I'm, I'm still a member of the rugby club, my local rugby club, where I played for 20-odd, 30-odd years. We have a group of old, we call them, you might have to edit this one out, we call them old farts. <laughs> There's a group of us who 
so we go down and we what we criticize the first team all the time because we could still at 60 do better <laughs> you know and then we have a few beers and we have a laugh and reminisce on the old times so i do that on a saturdays and things like that so yeah there's lots to do there's lots to look forward to definitely brilliant and finally i like to end my podcast with a funny moving story <sighs> do you have one or more to tell I've- Got a few. I don't think I've got any clean ones. <laughs> we don't mind those. Right. I'll, not a moving story, but this is when I, when, when we first set up as a... We got bigger, and we got a bigger reputation as Hambletons with my mum and dad. Yeah. My dad used to run the warehouse. My mum ran the office, and I ran the trucks, really, and went out and did all the estimating. So, as I was told on the estimating course by a gentleman called... Some of the old members will know him. I think his name was Harold Holgate. He did the estimating course. Right. Took you out to some houses and what have you. And he said, Luke, 90% of the time, you are going to meet the lady of the house. Yeah. So what you don't want to do is end up in the master bedroom with the lady of the house, obviously. For obvious reasons, you don't want to do that. You want to end up in the lounge. So I was just start my estimating. We'd have a chat. And then I'd say, can we start upstairs and work our way down and go outside? And then we'd finish up in the lounge to do our end thing there and what have you. And have a chat and sort everything else out. I went to see a, a big house in Berry, And she distracted. I don't know what happened. This lady, it was, I said, I'd meet the lady of the house. And she distracted me. And we ended up, I'd gone through all the whole house. And we ended up in the master bedroom finishing off. And I was like, oh, I've messed up here. I don't like this. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> and I went around the master bedroom and I said, right, okay, that's it. That's all. We've, I think we've done everywhere else. Can we go downstairs and have a chat? And she went, oh, no, there's another room yet. You haven't seen the other room. And I was like, I, I think I have. And there was a bank of fitted wardrobes along one wall. And she opened the middle two and there was another room. Oh, my word. <laughs> and this other room was full of, as you guessed, it was a, it was. A, <laughs> It was a proper, it was a proper play playroom, and as as a as a like na- not naive, but as a um, poo, yeah. I was thinking I was about I was about twenty six, and this lady was in her late forties, early fifties, and I, I I was out of there pretty quickly. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant, yeah. That's brilliant. my that's my funniest. That was like yeah. I don't think I've ever, I've ever never come across that ever since, but there, that was, yeah. Oh, was dear, dear, dear. Well, Phil, many thanks for giving up some of your retirement time with me today and enjoy the rest of your retirement. No problem at all. Thanks very much, Colin. Thank you very much. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 65 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Phil Hambleton for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Phil, and enjoy every minute of your retirement. If you have a funny moving story that could be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving.